Welcome to the Indie Writer Podcast, where we talk about all things writing and indie publishing. Today, Jackie and I are excited to be talking about anxiety and fiction with Amalia Jean. USA Today bestselling author Amalia Jean is the recipient of the Literary Classic Seal of Approval and the reader's favorite gold medal for her YA novel, The Clay Lion. Her first YA contemporary, The Next to Last Mistake, won the prestigious IBPA Benjamin Franklin Award in 2020. She is a contributing blogger with the Huffington Post and Southern Writers Magazine, as well as a finalist in the 2015 Kindle Book Awards. A TED speaker, human rights advocate, and active promoter of kindness, she lives in North Carolina with her husband, two children, and three extremely overfed cats. Welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Anything we didn't cover in that awesome (laughs) intro? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, I guess that sort of covers the writing stuff, but... um... I, well, I'm a mom and run a household. I, um, my, my real sort of job, um, I work some with property management company. Um, so I clean a lot of toilets and change a lot of bedding. And I also, um, work, um, for a nonprofit here in Charlotte, that um, works with unsheltered population here, helping to get people um, who are um, housing insecure into permanent housing and temporary housing. Um, So that's what I do when I'm not writing. That's awesome. Um, I don't know if Jackie told you, we're having some technical issues with Jackie. So that's why Becca is acting as host right now. Um, I used to live in North Carolina. I went to Guilford College in Greensboro. Okay. And so um, I was part of the Bonner Scholar program there. And we did a lot with houseless populations and trying to do some um, social justice work there. So yeah, it's, maybe we cross paths at some point. <laughs> maybe it's hot. I mean, it's a big community, but also a small community, and also hard work, but super rewarding when you are able to place a family. Um, yeah, in a, in a home. Yeah, I was mostly working um, with refugee families from okay. Vietnam and Liberia, Cambodia, uh, and there was like a particular uh, apartment complex where a lot of them were being settled, and I was doing some tutoring with the kids, so totally it's not awesome. writing related. Yeah, yeah we should still, be friends. Like, I know, but all of that sort of makes, comes into who you are and, you know, what type of writing you end up doing, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we could jump in with that. Do you want to talk about how your life and your work influence your writing? I I was just talking with my agent the other day and we were talking about I all my books are trauma books. Like <laughs> I can't seem to get away from from writing about trauma and getting through a trauma um sometimes to the other side but um just maneuvering that space because I think a lot of life is that is like Figuring out how to get through something, um, and I write to get through my stuff. So it's just sort of cathartic. And so if I'm gonna be writing to get through my own stuff, it seems like well maybe it would help somebody else. So that's sort of why I do what I do. I've totally so I resonate with your 
trauma writing. (laughs) Um, I've even had drafts where it's not anything I'm ever going to put out into the world. It's literally just me working through my own stuff. Like I have 26,000 words, I think, where I wrote about there being a nuclear bomb in LA and it's just like this mom trying to get her kids out. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is not actually like a narrative. This is just me working through my catastrophizing. Um, So I feel you. Yeah, I think it's, it's what we do. I think different people use different things to sort themselves out. And writing is just what I do to sort myself out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so have you ever accidentally kind of projected your own anxieties onto your characters? I know you're talking about the intentional way that you do it. Um, maybe. I mean, I definitely projected onto my own family. <laughs> They like take the brunt of a lot of stuff, but um, yeah, probably. I probably definitely, without realizing it, my characters have some of my quirks and anxieties that I didn't, of course, with Phoebe um, and this latest book, like I just leaned all the way into it and um, gave her all of my mess. Um, But I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure in... You know, in The Clay Lion, the very first book I ever wrote, in that book, Brooke, she loses her brother. Her brother dies. And so she, um, that's her trauma. Um, And I think the way that she handled it is probably very much in line with the anxiety and the, I probably put a lot of that into her. That was me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm thinking... um like in early drafts of my book, people doing some beta reads for me and saying, oh, I love how you made her really neurotic. And I was like, oh, I wasn't doing that on purpose, but I guess she's just, (laughs) I guess it's just me. (laughs) So (laughs) it comes out that way. Um, Do you, I know there's been a lot of talk about own voices and um, one, how important it is for representation, but also how it's been causing authors to kind of come out with their own identities. Do you find it important for characters with anxiety to be written by authors who also have experienced that? Um, I mean, I, I think like with all things, there's a balance Um, I definitely can write from a super authentic place, knowing what it feels like to have a full blown panic attack in a public place with everyone watching you and, um, with everything that's going around and the anxiety that comes with that. Um, but also I feel like there I'm sure there are people out there who haven't dealt with the same sort of anxiety that could do it justice that could, that could represent anxiety well. Um, But I think with anything, it's something that you would have to research and get to know people and have spent time adjacent to people that have um, had anxiety or are, 
been a part of their lives and also make sure you're getting things right. Um, and even for myself, like I know my anxiety doesn't necessarily look like other people's anxiety. And especially because I'm so germaphobic, I know that's very different than, you know, somebody else that might have OCD in sort of a different way where they have to do certain things before they can leave the house or, um, so it's all very personal and all very different, but I think that I know for me personally, this book is very authentic um, because I've lived so much of it. Um, but I do, I have read other books that deal with anxiety that are written by people who don't necessarily have an anxiety disorder that have been done well. And I think, I think it can be done. Um, do I think that everyone should write about anxiety? Probably not because um, I don't know that everybody would do it justice, if that makes sense. Yes, totally. That's a great answer. Do you have some of those examples that you talk about, about characters that have been done particularly well? Um, I, I feel like All the Bright Places, um, I love that book. And um, I know that she was sort of writing that from uh, an adjacent place, you know, having not necessarily been suicidal herself, but having been close to someone. Um, and I feel like I feel like that was done in a in a way that was sensitive to the realities of mental health and suicide. Um, do do I think? Maybe somebody could have done it better. I don't know. Like that's always the catch twenty two, right? Um, I don't know, but I think that I think that that's someone who would. Um, it's kind of a funny story, is one that was definitely written by someone who um, has mental health issues, and of course, um, that book to me feels super authentic, um, and because that was written by someone who has mental health issues. So, um, I, I think, again, I think it can be done, but I think the most authentic writing is probably going to come from a person who has a lived experience. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us about some of your characters? Okay. Um, so a lot of the characters, so Phoebe definitely is so much me in terms of um, her germophobia, the origins of her germophobia are also sort of similar. Um, I know for a lot of people, including me, that the, the severity of anxiety stemmed from a trauma, um, that I was always sort of an anxious kid. And, um, but the trauma of, um, my pregnancy with my first child and her, um, very early birth. It was all very traumatic and I never recovered from that and didn't realize at the time what I was experiencing was post-traumatic stress. Um, and I just was sort of navigating this new space and it took years and years and years for someone to finally say to me, I think maybe you're experiencing something from that trauma. Um, and, um, so Phoebe definitely also the trauma of COVID paired with her little brother. And um, I feel like COVID is going to leave, 
has been pretty traumatic for a lot of kids. Um, their lives have been upended, so um, I think they're going to be kids that, that might resonate with them. I know my seven-year-old is more comfortable like with his mask on, just in general, when we're yeah. out now. Yeah, so, there's safety yeah. in that. And, you know, Phoebe has those things that she never is able to give up, and she stops touching people, and she just never starts again. Um, and, of course, it's super isolating. Um, Walter is her best friend, and he runs the bookstore where she works part-time. Um, and he also has his own anxiety. And so they sort of push each other and also give each other the space and freedom to be who they are. And I felt like it was really important to give Phoebe someone who understood her. Um, because I think in my own recovery in my own, I mean, my whole life is just recovery now, but, um, it's important that I have people that like, when I say this is the headspace I'm in today are like, Oh yeah, I get it. Um, it's good to be understood. So I wanted to have Phoebe have that person in her life um, because her own family doesn't get it. They just don't, I mean, they're just waiting for her to be fixed. When are you going to stop this nonsense? Like get over it, just be normal and don't be this way anymore. And they just are waiting for her to get fixed. And the reality is like, um, you're not, you're not getting fixed. There's really nothing to fix. This is just who you are. It's a part of you. And now you just need to learn to navigate this part of yourself. Um, so Walter and um, Phoebe's little brother, Toby, um, I love him. He was a lot of fun to write because he, as a child, sort of gets it. Um, but he also is Phoebe's whole reason for wanting to be better. Um, she wants to be better for him. Um, and so I love their relationship that they are very loving towards each other. But at the end of the day, they're also a brother and sister who um, they can go at each other and they, they grab at each other a little bit, but they still love each other. Yeah. Did you, so this sounds like it's going to be such an important book for people to see themselves yeah. in. Did you have maybe books like that at times in your life that you needed it? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of specifically a book that, um, I mean, growing up, a lot of the books that I read were, I read all the Babysitter Club books and all the Judy Bloom and um, I'm trying to, I read every V.C. Andrews book and of course I did not see myself in any of those characters. Thank God that would sort of, that would be <laughs> very traumatic. Um, I don't know that I necessarily saw myself in a lot of the books that I read growing up and so maybe yeah. that's why... Um, they were always sort of in these ridiculous, probably, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret. Like, I must increase my bust. That's exactly what I was going like, to say. Oh, my gosh, that was me. And the trauma and the trauma of um, <laughs> when you're going to get your period and is everyone leaving you behind and you're going to be the last one. Like, I remember feeling very seen by that book. Um, yes. That's exactly the one I was yeah, going to mention. Yeah. Um, beyond that, though, I feel like I read about stuff where, like, 
I don't know. Kids are being, I've read a lot of, what was, um, Christopher Pike. Did you read Christopher Pike? Oh, it was all horror. Mm -hmm. People were getting murdered. (laughs) So maybe I was just in the wrong section of the library. Um, or maybe that was an, more an escape than yeah, probably. <laughs> identifying. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking um, Meg in A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. I saw myself in, like, the, the big sister that's taking a lot on um, growing up too fast. Yeah. And um, Harriet the Spy, oh. <laughs> which I went back and read that, and it is, she's not that nice of a little girl. I didn't realize that. But I wanted, I thought I was her and I wanted to be her. I totally had a notebook that I wrote stuff down about people. Like that was a thing that I should be doing. (laughs) Uh Yeah. Yeah. I had no concept as a kid that you did not want to be like her. (laughs) I feel like by the end, maybe, but like still, even though everyone got mad at her and stopped being her friend. I was still cheering for her. I was sort of like, well, yeah. she was just doing her thing. Y'all get she was over it. Just writing in her <laughs> notebook. Exactly. <laughs> this is what we do. Totally. That's funny. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, have you discovered anything about yourself while writing your while writing anxiety into your fiction? Um yeah. So when I was writing Phoebe, I would come up, you know, I was writing these scenes and I would think to myself, this is really bad. This is making me anxious just writing it. How can I make it worse? Like, what can I, I have to up it. Like, okay, this is stressing me out. But what if I did this worst thing to her? Like, what is the worst thing I could throw at this poor girl? Um, So wherever my threshold was for, I just made it higher. And as I'm writing it, I was thinking to myself, you know, okay, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not, I'm not as bad as Phoebe. I would say that to my kids as I was writing and they'd say, you know, oh, mom, you're such a whatever about this. And I'm like, well, Phoebe would be way worse than me about this. Like, I am so much better than she is. I'll do this. And she wouldn't even think about doing it. Um, so I just made her worse than me, which was sort of good. Cause I was like, well, at least I'm not as bad as Phoebe. Like I'll at least, you know, <laughs> use the silverware at a restaurant, which I won't do now after, you know, all like, uh, yeah. Anyway, like at least I'm not as bad as Phoebe. Um, so I think it gave me confidence that maybe I'm not as bad off as I could be. I don't know. Maybe. It almost sounds like. A form of cognitive behavioral yeah. therapy. Oh my gosh! Um, where you're thinking like, what is the worst that could happen, and then what would you do in that right. situation? That's exactly. That's really exactly. Oh gosh, I've spent so much time having cognitive behavioral therapy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Um, <laughs> so, oh, so you talked a little bit about how you like actually use that as a writing strategy. Do you have any advice for writers um, about writing anxiety or just mental health in general into fiction, like how to portray it effectively and, and honestly? So I think I walked a very, very tight line with Phoebe and a couple of early, you know, reviewers off NetGalley and things have mentioned it that, um, 
you're trying to explain her feelings and her emotions as she's living through this to the reader um, via her internal dialogue. And it's obsessive. Um, you know, the fact that I think about germs or whatever the anxiety is, that's something that's never, it's always right on the surface. It's never, I can never bury it down and be like, okay, I'm just going to think about something else. No, it's always, it's always right there. So no matter what I'm doing right there in the right tip of your mind's eye is, okay, there could be a germ on that and I'm not going to touch that. And where's my hand sanitizer? And how can I, where's my mask and how am I going to avoid this? And how do I navigate getting around these people and avoiding this situation? And if this is happening, then how do I not make that happen? I'm always in this constant state of negotiation with myself about how do I avoid and suppress my anxiety like it's all avoidance and it's all suppression and I feel like um when you're writing about that it was really hard for me to express that level of obsessiveness without making a reader who may or may not understand that level of compulsivity not be like oh my god enough already like, we get it. She's scared of germs. Like, you, I walked this very fine line of, is it too much? Is it not enough? I want them to understand that this is really something that is taken over her life. Because for those of us with anxiety, it does take over our lives. Um, but on the other hand, I didn't want to be so pushy about it that a reader's going to walk away and be like, okay, and this is too much. Like I'm, I'm, I can't read about this germ thing for another minute. So I had to make sure that things were layered and that there was more to Phoebe than just her anxiety and that her ultimate goal was separate from her germophobia. Um, I think I did it well. I guess we'll see. Um, but it was something I was very cognizant of as I was writing to make sure that I left, I, I found a balance between those things. I'm thinking of Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic and how she talks about how um, anxiety is like your personality is not anxiety. Like that's not the extent of who you right. are and how important that is. Well, and I'm thinking how important that is for characters. Like that should not be their only defining characteristic. Right. But also living in that anxiety, it's overwhelming. And, yes. you know, that's the balance I tried to find, hopefully. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. I'm sure it's great. Are there any portrayals of anxiety that you think are overdone or harmful? Oh, wow. I don't know that I, I don't know that any specific come to mind. I think that there have been books written when I think about like body dysmorphia. Um, I can think of maybe some books that I've read that I can see where something might be sort of triggering with body dysmorphia um, that I've read and I thought, 
oh, ouch, like <laughs> that seems um, like it might do more harm than good. Um, especially when I feel like also we walk the fine line with writing about anxiety that we don't want to, there's no, there's no fix. Um, we don't want to leave readers with this idea that if you just do X, Y, and Z at the end of it all, it's all going to go away and you're not going to have these feelings and these issues anymore. Um, that it's a, it's a journey and it's a spectrum and how you feel today might not be how you feel tomorrow. And there's no take a pill and make it all better. With that being said, there's a, there is hope and there's always an opportunity for things to be better tomorrow than they are today. Um, so I think it's important as writers to make sure that we don't paint too rosy of a picture of how it could be, but also recognize that hope is really important um, and that there are things that make it better. Yeah. So showing character growth and change and healing without <laughs> some happily right. ever after. Right, exactly. Um, I know it's probably one of the biggest examples people think of when they're thinking of mental health and fiction, but John Green and Turtles All the Way Down, Turtles All the Way Down, I think the end of that did a really great job, like the epilogue, where she's older and she's still struggling with this, but she's, but she's happier. She's, right. <laughs> she's living with right. it. I think that's the thing. You, you learn to make it accommodations and just live with it and not let it define you and stop you from being the person you're supposed to be. Um, so I think yes. some harm would be in painting a picture that um, it's all going to be great. Um, but I think there's also harm in showing that it's never going to get any better. Again, a fine line, a really fine line. Yeah. And I think probably in our show notes, we will include some mental health resources for our That'd listeners be great. in case they need them. Um if there's not anything else that you really want to share, why don't you tell our listeners about what you're working on next and where to find you? Oh, wow. Um, so I've got Phoebe. Um, she comes out next week, June 15th. Um, and I think by the time this airs, she will be out. So people will be able to find her everywhere under the sun. Um, and I have, two other um, YA books that I've been working on. Um, one's called Killing Mr. Newell, and it's about um, three high school girls who um, kill their environmental science teacher, but they don't know which one of them did it, but he's dead. Um, so that's pretty much all I can say about that. Um, it's sort of my smash the patriarchy feminist um, book, and so I'm excited about that one. Um, I also have another manuscript. Um, it's called um, A Walk Between Raindrops, and it's about two sisters who win an all-expense-paid trip um, to 10 amusement parks. And so they go with this sort of wayward group of people on this trip, um, around the country to these 10 different amusement parks. Um, and they are sort they're estranged sisters 
Um, and so the trip is an opportunity. The older sister sees it as an opportunity for her to fix things with her sister because they've gone so far off the rails. Um, and it's sort of their growth as sisters throughout the book. So it's my sister book because sisters are complicated. I don't know if you have a sister, but I do. And I, do. Our, I'm, <laughs> I love her. She is my best friend, but our relationship is complicated. Um, so I sort of wanted to celebrate the complexity of sisters. Um, and what I'm working on right now is actually my, I'm dipping my toe into middle grade a little bit. Um, and it's loosely based on the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Um, but backwards, instead of them being together for the school year and then apart for the summer, this one, they're together for the summer and apart for the school year. And so they have to, um, it sort of traces these four um, characters and their lives over the school year while they're apart from the summer. So it's been a lot of fun to write. I love it. I can't wait. I feel like I'm going to have to go on a, a binge of your your work. It all sounds awesome. Yeah. Oh, and where can we find you oh, online? Um, just AmaliaJohn.com. So it's just my name.com. That's my website. Um, my Twitter handle is AmaliaJohn. Facebook, AmaliaJohn. It's just my name, my name, my name. So, and it's pretty unusual. So it's um, nine times out of 10 if you find Amalia John. That's me. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. This was wonderful. Thank you for I'm having sorry me. about all our technical issues. Oh, please. I couldn't get my headphones to work, so it's totally fine. It made, me, it made me feel so much better. Thanks for listening to the Indie Writer Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will subscribe to hear our future episodes. We want to thank the Writing Block community for the continued support. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or at writingblock.com, no K. Remember to subscribe, share, and tell your friends. Thanks, everyone, and happy writing. Yeah.